you're listening to episode 158 of the Florida History Podcast, and this is episode 16 of our Albion, Florida series. I'm Carter Krishnire. Thank you for joining us as we wrap up our Albion, Florida series today. The second Spanish period, uh, which is, of course, when uh, Florida was transferred back to Spain as part of the Peace of Paris in 1783, transferred from the British back to Spain, is a very, very confusing period. Spain was not a world power anymore. They were a second-rate power uh, that was about to become a third-rate power, quite frankly, in the next 30 or 40 years. They had uh, too few colonists in that wanted to settle in Florida. This is not the Florida of the 1600s that we've talked about in this series. This vibrant, cosmopolitan Florida with, with, a, with a capital at St. Augustine where there's all kinds of trade going on and commerce and, and obviously the missions that were growing things and, and uh, native populations that were at peace with the Spanish. This was a, uh, this is a tough time. And it's so tough that the Spanish, in order to attract settlers, they dropped the requirement that they had to be Catholic, right? So basically, remember, in the first Spanish period, and we talked intensely about slavery, uh, runaway slaves, people settling from all over. There's one requirement, which was that you, you convert to Catholicism. So runaway slaves could get to Florida, and they had a choice be massacred or be shipped back to the British colonies to the north or convert to Catholicism and you're, you're free. And, and we know how that went, right? We, we, you know, there was a great African-American, free African-American contingent in Florida. We talked about Fort Mose, among other things. So what ends up happening is you have Native Americans migrate to Florida the Creeks, right, and they Seminole, become the Seminole people. I don't want to get into the whole background of that. And you've got some Americans that settle, and that's going to be a, 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 an important point as we get through this episode, but you have a lot of English people come back. And with the increasing weakness of Spain... And with, as we talked about at the end of the last episode, Spain and, uh, and Britain beginning to be in alliance more often than they were against one another in European wars. You, you, and Spain, like I said, is, a, become, is becoming a second-rate power and would be a third-rate power. When the Concert of Europe was formed at the Congress of Vienna of 1815, Spain was not part of that Concert of Europe. The Concert included... The, Brit the British, obviously, the greatest world power. The Russians at that point, who were, had become a pretty formidable power. Austria, obviously, formidable, po formidable power throughout this period. Prussia, that goes without saying. France has entered into the concert after Napoleon is gone. And uh, Spain is not included. And in fact, as the 1800s would go on, you'd see individual um, city-states uh, particularly, or individual nation states within the Italian peninsula, 
become more powerful than Spain on the kind of diplomatic stage in Europe, right? And and uh, Spain is is largely irrelevant through World War One, right? They're neutral in World War One. That's why no one had any qualms about calling the pandemic of 1918 the Spanish flu because they were a neutral country, right? Um, so Spain is, is, is a declining power. They need people to settle in Florida to make this colony work. The Spanish eventually make an offer of equal treatment for non-Catholics, as I said. And there are people who take them up on it. This is starting in 1786. One of the people who took advantage of it was... Zephaniah Kingsley is who's someone I want to do an entire podcast on. So we're going to save podcasts for him uh, maybe for very shortly. I mean, I've been intending to do some, uh, something on him for a year. Have in, wanted to, to visit the Kingsley Plantation in Jacksonville before uh, we do the episode. I have not done that yet. I will admit I was really close by uh, fairly recently. I was at... Uh, was at a coffee shop not far from there uh, on Beach Boulevard. Did not get over to the to the plantation. So uh, on Fort George Island. So I, I do want to do that maybe before we do the episode because Kingsley was a slaveholder, but he was unlike any, in my opinion, any other slaveholder we know about in the Southern colonies. He was a real Renaissance man, kind of a, a, a what you would consider an Enlightenment liberal. Uh, in the early 1800s. Really, really interesting guy. Uh, eventually became pretty um, pretty benevolent towards his slaves. Again, he was a slaveholder. I don't want to... Um, to um, I, I don't want there to be any ambiguity about that. But he... Um, he wanted um, free people of color to have something resembling equal rights. He also uh, was a uh, um, <laughs> kind of very liberal when it came to even uh, things like interracial marriage, etc. Um, he, um, he also um, eventually is someone that, 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 that basically uh, starts kind of floating around and, and, and being very transactional in terms of his his loyalty to nation he's an american but he um at various times starts representing other nationalities and, and as i said had some very interesting views about um about race despite being a slaveholder himself so anyway we're going to save that for another time but kingsley's one of the people who comes to florida you have others that settle in florida um including robert mccarty who was a uh a, a Scottish mercantilist, right? He had his own mercantile fir firm and he made large uh, purchases and did a lot of co uh, commercial business in the West Indies. He uh, married the daughter of, of uh, John Bunch, who was a plantation owner in Florida and um, basically settled in, in, a, in a, uh, a plantation area um, in what is uh, was swampy area in uh, around New Smyrna. We've talked about New Smyrna before, right? So this is modern day Volusia County. And so they develop plantation there, they cultivate cotton, they cultivate sugar cane, they have slaves. You also had many 
fur traders, English fur traders remain in Florida after the exodus from St. Augustine in 1783 or return to Florida. Um, and some actually settled in the Pensacola area also. Pensacola didn't get quite depopulated the way St. Augustine did. Now, of course, St. Augustine had a lot more people, so uh, let's keep that in mind. And I believe St. Augustine still had more people in this second Spanish period. You had um, a frontier that was not really controlled, right? And uh, you had interesting people like Alexander McGilvery, who became a... Uh, um, a very, very unique individual uh, who operated a cotton plantation. He, he's Scottish, but he also trains um, the Creek people to be literate and um, teaches them a lot of, quote, high culture. Uh, he goes to New York to try and talk to General Washington about protecting Native American farming rights. And he decides to pledge his loyalty to the Spanish after they, they take over Florida for the second period. And he became a very, very key figure. We've talked about him in the context of the first Seminole War. So if you want to know what happens to McGilvery, uh, listen to that episode. Uh, he was a particular target of... Um, of uh, Andrew Jackson, as was William Bowles, another guy we talked about in that episode. He is a Englishman, a former British naval officer. Um, he decides he is going to uh, come to Florida uh, because he had had a, a dispute with, uh, with the British authorities, right? He, he was an officer and uh, did not want to go back to London for various reasons, right, in terms of, you know, possible court-martial, etc. He worked with McGilvery and uh, uh, started alliances with the Native Americans. Uh, Bowles is a guy that encouraged slaves to run away, right? Uh, we talked about that ex again in that episode on the on the first uh, first Seminole War, and he's another guy that's a target of Andrew Jackson and the Americans. So Bowles and McGilvery are the two targets, the two major reasons why. The Americans keep uh, incur uh, incursions over the border, and there are all of these unsettled frontier situations along the Florida-Georgia and Florida-Alabama, eventually Florida-Alabama border. Now, understand that the Spanish were governing Florida, but they didn't. They it was effectively anarchy, and again. The Spanish, by this time, more often than not, are in alliance with the British. So you've got um, British settlers, Scottish and English, British settlers, that are working with Native Americans, working with runaway slaves, and also uh, working against the United States, right, who is, is their enemy. And, of course, there is going to be a war in 1812 that we've done an episode on. And I would encourage everybody to listen again to episode 55 of the Florida History Podcast, where we talked about the Patriots, we talked about James Madison, we talked about Spanish Florida effectively becoming an English or British ally, and the battles and the war, the extension of the War of 1812 that took place in Florida.
between Amelia Island, Fernandina area, Fort Clinch, uh, that area, and even into the interior, Payne's Prairie area, Micanopy, what's now Micanopy, that area. And obviously the Battle of Pensacola in 1814 where Andrew Jackson defeats the British. Now, again, the British and the Spanish are aligned. They're fighting against Napoleon. Uh, the Peninsular War is one of the bloodiest. I, you know, Napoleon's invasion of Russia is given is 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 sort of the um, the flashpoint everyone points to about Napoleon being defeated. But I also look at the Peninsular War that the Portuguese and the British fought against Napoleon in in the Iberian Peninsula and in Spain in the Spanish Peninsula in Spain, which allowed Spain uh, to kind of free itself of the yoke of of of, of Napoleon's brother who had been put on the uh, throne there. Uh, obviously, Sp the Spanish monarchy had been the Bourbon monarchy before, so they were aligned with Britain at the time. Overthrow by Napoleon. Napoleon puts a, a, his brother, Joseph Bonaparte, on the throne. He can't control things. And then he gets ousted in this Peninsular War, and, and Spain's back in alliance with, with Great Britain. So Spain is a nominal power. They're a third-rate power. They're in alliance with the British. They're completely dependent on the British, right? And, and uh, Britain's ally, Portugal, to eject Napoleon. So the British are running wild in Florida at this point. As we talked about, we talked about Bulls, we talked about McGilvery. Eventually, they're British officers. They're actual formal British troops and officers in Florida. That ends with the end of the War of 1812 with the Treaty of Ghent. And then we go into the First Seminole War, which again, uh, would encourage you to listen to that earlier edition of the Florida History Podcast with myself and Robert Bucciolato. Uh, where we talk about that and we talk about uh, what happened in terms of uh, Andrew Jackson really defying his orders and, uh, and going into invade Florida, go after the Native Americans, go after the runaway slaves, exceed his orders. President Monroe is not happy about this. Most of President Monroe's cabinet is not happy about this. One person who, who enables Andrew Jackson, very ironically, if you know what happens in American history for the next several years after that, was the Secretary of State John Quincy Adams. Think about that for a minute. One of the people who opposed Jackson strongly, the incursion in Florida, was John, John C. Calhoun. Calhoun and Adams were always on opposite sides, right? But this is a little strange if you think about what happens in the future in American history. But Jackson effectively makes Spanish power meaningless. And we have the treaty in 1819 where Spain turns Florida over to the United States effective in 1821. You have a number of um, runaway slaves and so-called black Seminoles, runaway slaves that had been integrated in the Seminole tribe, which I think we've talked about in previous episodes, uh, that obviously Jackson is hunting. He killed a number of them. We did a podcast on the Battle of Negro Fort in uh, off the, around the Apalachicola River. I think it's modern-day Calhoun County where that battle took place. You have a bunch of African-Americans, uh, black Seminoles, make their way to Cape Florida, Key Biscayne, right, uh, Dade County where modern-day Miami is. Miami wasn't around then. And most of them end up in the Bahamas. So a lot of 
the there's a there's a population of the Bahamas which are so-called black Seminoles, which were Seminoles that, had, that uh, African Americans that had integrated, runaway slaves that had integrated in the Seminole tribe, and in many cases intermarried with the Seminoles. So they end up in the Bahamas, a number of them. So British influence is killed in Florida. It's over. The United States and the, and the United Kingdom at this point, United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland, Ireland was brought into the United Kingdom in 1800 by that, that act of union after there had been an Irish rebellion in 1798, which had been sponsored by the French. So effectively, when we talk about the Revolutionary War and we talk about most of this period, uh, we're talking about a different entity. So up until 1707, as we've talked about in a previous podcast, in previous podcasts, we're talking about England. 1707 to 1800, we're talking about Great Britain. There's an active union between England and Scotland. And keep in mind, Wales this whole time is in a formal union of monarchy with England. So England, Wales, Scotland, 1707-1800. From 1800 on, we're talking about Great Britain. Ireland is brought in to the United Kingdom. It is technically no longer being governed as a colony. Although, I think the rump of evidence in the 1800s shows us that the, the English and the Scots, they didn't change their, their governing uh, views of, 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 of Ireland. And of course, in 1922, uh, the, Republic, well, the Irish Free State is formed later, the Republic of Ireland. Uh, is, well, Ireland is partitioned, as I think everybody knows, and Ireland in 1948 leaves the British Commonwealth of Nations, and they're not a member of the British Commonwealth up until today. So uh, at this point, we're talking about the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland. Their influence is done in Florida, over. They would buy cotton from Florida, right? We know uh, that, that the Southerners sought British support and French support in the Civil War because they thought there would be a, a sympathy towards them because of that. But the relationship, the formal relationship is over. and. What do we surmise from this series? We surmise that British influence was pretty, pretty strong on Florida, both in a negative sense and a positive sense. We, the, the reaction of the Spanish to allow runaway slaves, to integrate African-Americans into the culture in Florida, to arm them, to work with Native Americans. A lot of it is a reaction to the settlement of Charleston. A lot of it is also the reaction to the, to the uh, English and the French raiding St. Augustine and raiding Spanish missions. When the British ruled Florida, we learn that there were definitive strong reasons Florida, East and West Florida, stayed loyal to the British crown, including religion, and including eventually runaway slaves and freed African Americans. And now in this episode, we've learned that the British influence continued even after 1784 when the colony was turned over formally to Spain. And uh, in fact, remained a bulwark in kind of British North American strategic planning against the Americans who were the enemy. And, uh, Look, the U.S. and the U.K., it's called uh, the special relationship, but 
uh, up until the early late 1890s, late 1890s, early 1900s, it was not a special relationship. The two countries were trading partners and spoke a common language and had some some cultural uh, similarity, but there was not um, that enmity in terms of foreign relations between the United States and the United Kingdom. So thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, the next couple of weeks, we're going to do a couple of short video episodes on the Florida History Podcast. So I hope you enjoy those. Those are Seminole War related also, second Seminole War. So thank you for listening. Uh, you can get our podcast wherever you find podcasts, and we'll be back with you next week. Thank you.